think of 10,000 people sitting outside the amusement park trying to get in. That's the institutional investment community. That's the next leg higher. That's 100K Bitcoin. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom, the Bitcoin capital of Wall Street. How the hell are you all? There's been some dip this week, right? I think some of us felt we were going to shoot straight up to 70K and here we go. A bunch of people have been liquidated. Billions of dollars have been liquidated. Now, you can't get liquidated if you're holding your Bitcoin in cold storage. How was it for you? Did you get liquidated? I hope not. Also, I never normally do this, but I'm gonna because it was amazing and it's the Orange Pill podcast that I needed. I needed to be orange pilled again. And if you need to orange pill some of your friends, please do go and check out Breed Love on Lex Freeman's podcast. I've listened once. I'm about to listen again. Go and check it out. It is an absolute four-hour monster. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got an interview with Steve McClurg and Jeff Kilberg about Bitcoin ETFs. But before we get into that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. And today we kick off with sportsbet.io. What a crazy week in sport, right? The Euro Super League, I can't believe any of those idiots thought they would get away with it. Especially Tottenham. Haven't won the league since 1961 and think they deserve to be in a European Super League. The whole thing's collapsed gladly. So I'm going to be betting against Tottenham this weekend, as I always do. I'm betting for Liverpool, and I'm going to be using sportsbet.io. And if you want to check them out, you've got to know something amazing about sportsbet.io. They accept Bitcoin. Of course they accept Bitcoin, because they love Bitcoin. They don't just have football, though. They also have tennis, American sports, motorsports. They even have esports. And if you want to check them out, they always have a load of promotions available. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions to find out more, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. And next up, we have Exodus Wallet, who I have now been using as my desktop wallet for a good couple of months now. I do love what they've created. Congratulations, JP. Also, congratulations on their valuation recently. They've absolutely crushed it. Now, they reached out to me a couple of months ago, and they were like, Pete, we want to sponsor your podcast. Do you want to use our wallet? And I was like, well, I will check it out, because right now I've got a problem. I'm paying people in Bitcoin, I'm getting paid in Bitcoin, and my accountant keeps nagging me because I'm not doing a particularly good job of keeping a record. And so I checked out Exodus, and yes, it's a lovely, it's a lovely wallet. And I was happy to use it. So if you want to check out Exodus, please do head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Apple or Google app stores. And also, are you making good gains? Are you killing it in this market? I know some of you got liquidated, but I know some of you, you've killed it this year, right? Your Bitcoin's up, but have you got your security sorted? If not, you should be checking out Casa. I'm coming up to my one-year anniversary, and not only am I going to renew, I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to go for the full diamond package, because... With Casa, you get to protect yourself not only from your own mistakes, which is something I need, in-person attacks, device failures, and so much more. And Casa has a product for every Bitcoiner out there. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that's only going to cost you $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their three or five multi-sig, and with Casa Diamond, you get the full service offering. This includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best in class in security. If you want to find out more, please do head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Okay, so onto the show, and it's an ultra bullish one today. So for the last few years, there's been all this talk about ETS, and while some have made some progress, Canada and Brazil have an ETF, and we still don't have one in the US market, which we know will be a massive game changer. The market has changed massively over the last few years. It has matured so much, and it feels like we are a lot closer to having one approved. And to find out what this means for the Bitcoin market, I asked my buddy Steve McClurg, co-founder of Valkyrie, to shed some light on the whole situation. Now, Valkyrie filed a Bitcoin ETF application, and it's currently awaiting approval by the SEC. So he's the perfect person to explain it all to us. Now, Steve is joined by Jeff Kilberg, a regular CNBC contributor and veteran trader. Jeff is a partner at Valkyrie and has his own investment firm. So he has a front row seat to pent up institutional demand waiting on the sidelines to jump into Bitcoin. I love this conversation. It was a lot of fun, and I know you're going to love it. But just a quick note, my microphone had issues. God damn it, my microphone had issues. So we had to resort to the backup 
but my legend producer Danny has done the best to clear that up because it isn't from my main mic. It's not the usual clear sound. So I apologize for that, but big up to Danny for sorting that out. I hope you enjoy the show. You know, as ever, if you want to reach out to me, my email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com or just jump into my Telegram group. Also, are you heading to Miami? Are you heading to the conference? Are you heading to Bitcoin 2021? I'm going to be there because I'm MC for the event. If you haven't bought tickets, please do head over to b.tc slash conference. And if you use the promo code WBD, you can get 10% off your tickets. Okay, hope you enjoy the show. Love you all. And I'll see you all on Friday. Steve, good to see you again. Jeff, nice to meet you. ETFs. Everyone's talking about ETFs. Talking about one in ETF. It's a big question out there in the market. And uh, I know a lot of people like messaging me and they're like, when are we going to get an ETF? And I know we have one in Canada or in Brazil, but people care about when are we going to get one in the US? There's a lot of interest in it. Um, so uh, anyway, before we get into that, Steve, you've been on my other show, Defiance. We talked about supply chains during the COVID crisis. It was a great show. It was good to talk to you back then. And you know, we hung out uh, in Mexico last year, but it's good to see you again, man. Uh, just introduce yourself to everyone so they know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good to see you again, Peter. Um, hope to see you soon in person. Uh, my name is Stephen McClure, the CIO of Valkyrie Investments. Uh, we are we are really focused on getting an ETF for Bitcoin here in the U.S. I've I've spent a lot of my career building and launching and managing ETFs. Some of them very difficult to do. Uh, so so so. Bitcoin isn't the hardest thing uh, that I've that I've, that I've tried to do in the ETF world, but that's what Valkyrie's doing, along with a lot of other things. Um, you know, managing managing assets in this in the same space. Jeff, nice to meet you. Finally, do you want to introduce yourself? Let everyone know who you are. Yeah, Peter, pleasure to meet you. And I'm coming right now from snowy Chicago. Hard to believe. End of April, here we are snowing. But we are excited. Uh, Stephen McClurg, we've known Stephen for over a decade, going back to his Guggenheim days. But we get excited at KKM Financial. And as the founder and CEO, we really pride ourselves on being a boutique asset management firm. We're headquartered here in Chicago. We're pretty deep into the ETF world. We utilize a lot of ETF model portfolios to provide investment solutions for our clients. And we get really excited about one of our models. And just a little tease here for Peter, for all the viewers and listeners, that we're going to get really get into our model that really identifies companies that directly or indirectly hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. We saw that universe a couple of years ago, maybe a handful, maybe a dozen different companies had that type of exposure. Now with this global adoption and the enthusiasm into cryptocurrency, we're seeing more and more names. We actually envision about 100 different companies being inside of that universe that directly or indirectly have Bitcoin on their balance sheet. It's a big deal, man. All right. Firstly, Jeff, I see, uh, I see a helmet behind you and a ball, and you're in Chicago. Are you a Chicago Bears fan? I am a Chicago Bears fan, but the helmet you see over my shoulder is from the University of Notre Dame. Uh, a long, right. long time ago, Peter, I played for Coach Holtz in the 1990s. Uh, Notre Dame, they've got the uh, Irish connection, right? That's right, fighting Irish, baby. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm half Irish. Uh, well, I don't know a lot about football. I know the Bears have sucked for quite a long time, though, right? <laughs> Check. You're absolutely right on that. And we're still lost. It's like a ship just going in circles on Lake Michigan. But uh, nonetheless, we're loyal here in Chicago and we're hoping for the best for the Bears next year. Sorry, man. You want to come and talk about ETS and here am I, a British guy giving you shit about your team. But listen, look, okay. Steve, you, you know the kind of show I put together. Uh, just for those who don't know, let's explain what an ETF is and like how they work. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I do want to point out that uh, if if you want a real football team, it's Tottenham, right? So uh, what? <laughs> Wait, you, you you better you better watch your mouth, man. Honestly, I'll kick you off the show right now. We and Jeff can do this on our own. Ended. Yeah. So so look, really, really, all an ETF is is. It's, a, it's an instrument that makes it really easy for people to buy various assets, whether it's a, a, a pool of companies that you want to hold, like the S&P 500, whether it's uh, gold or silver. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to go buy gold and silver physically, right? You, you have to go down to some pawn shop looking store down on the corner uh, where they're, you know, selling you gold at really high prices and buying it for really low prices. And there's quite a spread there. Uh, but an ETF gives you ability to uh, to, to, to buy and, and, and sell it much more easier than than a lot of other things. You can also hold hold, hold various other assets, uh, but Bitcoin is one of those assets that uh, gives a lot more people uh, access through an ETF uh, if it were available. 
Okay, okay. I've got a few questions though. So if it gives you the ability to, we're really saying it's really the ability what to invest in the asset rather than hold the asset. Um, because if you have a Bitcoin ETF, you don't essentially hold the Bitcoin. But we'll come back to the Bitcoin one itself. So if um, if there's like a gold ETF, whoever runs the ETF, are they obliged to buy and hold gold reserves for the amount that people are buying? Or are these just paper investments and they can take the risk? Yeah, they, they are actually obliged to hold the gold. So, so they're buying the gold and then they're actually holding it at a third-party custodian. Uh, meaning that if something happens to that manager, uh, then you have direct access to the underlying asset, the gold itself. Uh, but they but they do have an obligation to hold that. And it is double-checked. That's why it's important in a, in a fund like an ETF that there's a manager and then there's a third-party custodian. And the third-party custodian is that double-check to make sure that everything that they say that they're holding is actually there. As a matter of fact, um, you know, everybody's everybody's heard the news this last week of Bernie Madoff, uh, you know, passing away in prison, right? You know, 10 years ago, everybody knew who Bernie Madoff was. And uh, the really interesting thing about what he was doing was they were falsifying records and passing them out to people saying that, hey, here's how much, here's how much money you have. Here's how much uh, you have in assets with us. And that's how they were able to get a, you know, get the scheme going, so to speak, right? So all you had to do if you were a client of Bernie Madoff's was call the third-party custodian bank and verify that the assets match and you would find out very quickly that they didn't. And that's the beauty of having a third-party custodian in uh, a fund structure like 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 an ETF. Well, so, so nobody checked in on Bernie? Yeah, nobody checked in. I mean, I remember when I was a, a young analyst reviewing over all of the various investments that we had at the company that I worked at, I would actually get, you would get custodian statements in the mail every month. And most people just get that stack of papers and toss it in the trash. And I would actually go through and compare the custodian statements to the manager statements to make sure that they match. I'm like, I thought everybody did that, right? I mean, that's, that's the way I was trained. Uh, but apparently none of the people that were putting money with, with Bernie Madoff on behalf of their clients, by the way, were actually doing that or they would have caught him. Steven, Peter, I got a fun Damn. story about those trade tickets real quickly. There's an asset manager mm-hmm. here in Chicago, late 1990s, when Bernie Madoff was really just getting going. Well, typically, to Steven's point, when you do see those trade tickets, they come in pretty randomly, Peter, right? You get a, a whole host of trade tickets on what transpired in your account, and it's really disorganized. Well, Madoff would send these trade tickets to this specific client here in Chicago, and they were all square, nice with a little bow on it, just way too organized, way too neat. That set up a red flag. That specific entity or person, I should say, in Chicago, I can't name them, of course, they decided it was too neat, it was suspicious, and they exited. They were made fun of for about the next decade because Madoff went from about billion to two billion up to 65 billion. But sure enough, his suspicion, his spidey senses were right that they were way too organized. So if something doesn't look right, or I should say here in Chicago, if it smells like a rat, looks like a rat, it's a rat. Damn. Well, so you're saying with an ETF, someone can actually check that they are holding. Well, that's the beauty of an ETF. So this is really fascinating. You rewind 20 years ago when BlackRock Uh kind of launched iShares, the ETF company. So think of an ETF, because this really is the intersection of traditional finance and we have new Bitcoin, cryptocurrency finance kind of intersecting here. But an ETF, I like to think of as a basket. So let's use the S&P 500. Everyone's familiar with the S&P 500. That's a, a, a index that's created of 500 companies. So instead of individually buying those 500 names and properly weighting them, because that's a market cap weighted index, which basically means the biggest companies have more of a weighting. So that market cap weighted index, you would have to spend a lot of time to really allocate. If you were to buy an ETF, SPY, that's a basket, right? That's the vehicle. It's Mm -hmm. one basket and all 500 names are in there. So with one click, you can buy SPY, which gives you the exact same mirror or correlation as a congruent line to the S&P 500. So what the ETF vehicle has really done, it's simplified the process, but you have full transparency in that ETF to see the underlying or to see in that basket. And that's what really provides transparency for investors globally to understand. And that's what's the beauty of the ETF. They're low cost, they're liquid, they trade, they're 
very tight bid offer. So it's just a superior vehicle where we get excited. You're seeing trillions and trillions of dollars of growth every year going to the ETF space. And now obviously we're focused on having that ETF vehicle, that ETF basket, provide that investment solution for Bitcoin demand globally. But listen, look. If, if I go on, if I go on and buy, and you know, uh, what do you what are you buying? A share in an ETF? You're buying. Look, how does it you work? can even buy fractional shares now, right? Stephen, talk to us about fractional shares. It's really gotten interesting and, and tremendous for small investors as well as institutional investors. Well, the interesting thing about an ETF is when you you buy a share of an ETF, you have ownership of the entire pool underlying, and not only do you have yeah. ownership of that. Uh, you have the right to take a distribution out of it. If you you can either trade your shares in, right, and, and sell it to somebody else, or you can say, "Hey, I want to give you my shares, and I want to take the thing that's underneath it that represents my shares." And you have the right, and they have the obligation to give it to you. Well, hold a second. Sorry, sorry. Within certain, I'm getting we're going to have more questions than, uh, than than answers at this rate. Okay, so. If I go and buy a share of an ETF, or say 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 I buy I don't know hundred shares of the ETF, at the point I buy that, are they do they trigger themselves a purchase of all the underlying assets to cover that? That's exactly right. Yes. Right. Okay. So they instantly purchase, and if I sell, they instantly sell. That's right. Correct. Okay. And don't do not trading fees not get in the way for them. Yeah. How does that work? Because you know, if I was if lots of people are buying single shares, surely that's going to be annoying. Well, what's generally happening there is is the ETF provider is working with several traders behind the scene. And because there's several people buying the ETFs on a a single day, uh, what you do is you create more units of it. So let's say that there's $10 million worth of demand for an ETF in a day. That means you create $10 million more of that ETF. So, So they then go behind the scenes and process all of those trades. But yes, trading fees do work into that, but you're buying it in bulk. Therefore, your trading fees typically get smaller than what you know you and I for just buying twenty thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin uh, or or Apple stock that, than what we would see. Yeah, so, just so to add it, on to that, Stephen, you know, you look at a typical ETF. There's an expense ratio. What it costs that end user. Like if I was to buy SPY, that costs 0.09 basis points. So think of a typical. Financial advisor, they charge their client, let's say, 1%. That's 100 basis points. To buy an ETF, it'll fluctuate. You'll see really low-cost index ETFs, you know, talking about nine basis points, all the way to actively manage. Look at Kathy Wood at ARC. She charges 75 basis points. So it runs the gamut, and I think it's really correlated to the, the management component. So if you see an actively managed ETF, that's going to demand a higher fee because of the active management and the secret sauce. If you just have an index-based ETF, it's going to be a lower cost ETF. Okay, so does it essentially, do, they're not actually buying and selling instantly at every moment. They're just clearing at the end of the day the, the buys and sells. That, that's exactly right. That's what the manager is doing. Yeah. Now, now, you, now you're trading it all day long and you don't, you don't see what's going behind this. You know, you don't see the sausage being made. But at the end of the day, all the new creations or all the new redemptions is all cleared by the manager. But to be clear, you, are, you the client, you the investor, you're getting that exact price in that exact second. It's not like a mutual fund where you get the end of day pricing. You are getting that exact price. So if you see fluctuations, like let's rewind a year ago when we saw 10% swings in the marketplace and the equity markets, when it's going up and down 10%, contingent upon when you press click and buy that ETF, you're getting that exact pricing. Right, okay, okay. But you're saying, Steve, I can also go and demand, I can I can give back these shares and I can demand the underlying assets. So if it's, Shares, I get what all the individual share t- certificates that make up the basket. Yeah, so so typically what happens is in a redemption. This is called a redemption process. Uh, yeah. If if you say, hey, I want to, I, I want to get those back. I, I want to get everything underlying back. You can either get it through the cash value of what mm-hmm. you're asking it back for, or uh, what what they call in kind contributions, meaning the actual underlying. So I actually get the share certificates. You absolutely can, yes. Even if I was buying a fractional share and all the individual of like the S and P five hundred, and I was spending like twenty five bucks, well, I would get all the five hundred individual fractional. Well, the way the share. way that it, the way that it actually works is uh, there are limits 
And, and typical limits oh, on ETFs are $2 million, $2.5 million, sometimes $5 million. So if you have that much, then yes, you can get, you can, you know, if you're, if you're buying, you know, if you have the S&P and you demand all the underlying back, then you'll get $2.5 million worth of all the S&P stocks. Now, because that right. function is in place, what it does is it keeps the ETF trading at a very close price range and value to all of the underlying shares, right? So, because so, if there isn't, there would be an ARB. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Th- yeah. Think about the grayscale Bitcoin trust for a moment, right? Mm. We saw this yeah. massive premium, right? And everybody thought that that was normal. Well, it's just because of demand. Well, it's not because of demand. It's because grantor trust, which is the structure that grayscale is in, doesn't have a mechanism to redeem your shares. So it's like a casino. You you can you can buy in. You can't really you can't really take the money out. They get all the money. You know you you you, you walk away empty, right? Hotel California. That's even better, even better. Uh, but what's happening now with the Grayscale Trust is it's trading at a massive discount. Uh, yesterday I saw a discount uh, of twelve percent, meaning if if you own it, then you own twelve percent less of what you think you own. If you if you if you if you were to trade it, because there's no mechanism to arb that, uh, to arb that, uh, so yeah. that's what makes an ETF superior to that type of structure. Fine, but with the with the grayscale trust, if they, I'm, I imagine in a scenario whereby they get an ETF approval and they've talked about converting the GBDC into mm-hmm. an ETF uh, at a twelve percent negative, that would be a good buy. At I, least I, I agree. Swallowed up. I agree. Hmm. So, I'm, I'm, are you there, therefore surprised that there is this negative on the GBTC? I'm not surprised at all. Uh, you know, I, oh, I used to manage these these vehicles called closed in funds, which are which are very similar to the Grayscale Trust. Yeah. And closed in funds trade at a natural eight to twelve percent discount to the underlying, just because of the illiquidity uh, discount that you that, that you get. You you, you it's, it's very difficult to arb. Uh, you you don't have a redemption feature, uh, so so that's the natural discount. So you know twelve percent for grayscale. That's 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 probably what it should be. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So going back. So okay, me as uh, Pete, little little poor trader from England. If I'm buying my fractional uh, shares, uh, I, I don't have the opportunity to transfer it for the underlying asset because it's a minimum uh, value. But I can still buy an ETF, right? But I can. You've got to be a big spender to be able to redeem it for the underlying asset. Yeah, so so you can buy and then you can sell them, but because there are big spenders that are that are actively making that arb trade, when you're buying and selling, your your discounted premium is very very small. We're talking a typical band under fifty basis points. So, so do you imagine when a when a Bitcoin ETF finally gets approved that? It will be exactly the same scenario that someone will be able to redeem it for the coins. Uh, they absolutely could, you know, within wow. within within that certain range, you know, if it's two and a half, five million dollars. That's really interesting. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the Bitcoin ETS because there have been, I mean, what are we at, like twenty applications now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, ridiculous. What is there like eight, Jeff? Um, it's I've lost track of uh, toes. <laughs> And fingers, I'm counting them, but yeah, I think we are right around uh, right around nine. Yeah, plus plus you've got four in Canada. Yeah. So, what do you think the holdup is? Why why do you think the the SEC is not approving these? What, what I really think happened was when the first round of applications went out, um, you know, three, four, five years ago, there was a lot of questions about Bitcoin at that time, and then there was a big run up in the market and the big crash in the market. You know, crypto winner. So yeah, I so so I think freaked out the regulators. Yeah, so so there was a lot of hesitancy there, and and I, and I think there was a lot of questions and comments uh, on those Bitcoin applications that really dug the industry into a hole that's very difficult to get out of. So we're now in the process of trying to answer a lot of those questions and comments, and to prove that this is you know a legitimate digital currency. And that's something that we've been working on. I mean, it's something I've been working on uh, for three years, but uh, with, uh, with 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 Valkyrie, it's something we've been working on for almost a year now. So, so with all these different applications, as you say, uh, Jeff, there's nine. 
how much can they actually vary from one to the other in terms of what they are, what the structure is, the technicals to it? Well, I think there's certainly nuances in the application, but you're right. Fundamentally, they're going to give you exposure, direct exposure to uh, the fluctuations in the price of Bitcoin. But I think what the the staff, the SEC has really looked at, and let's rewind when we saw a lot of those initial rejections in 2017. The initial apprehension, I believe, this is my opinion only, what I believe is that the staff, which is there's a separate committee called Markets and Trading. They were trying to understand the depth of liquidity and that's dramatically different. And so it's a maturity component, Pete. We're seeing the maturity of Bitcoin. We're seeing the CME group where I became a member in the late 90s. You're seeing futures in that market now approach 30,000 futures a day. We go back to 2017, mm-hmm. they weren't even at 3,000 futures. And that's when they still had the CBOEs, you know, mini contracts. So I think the fact that now the CME group has the five coin future and they also have the one-tenth micro. So if you want to trade futures or potentially hedge if you're a hodler, you want to hedge, you can now use these futures. So this is just a bigger picture of the maturity process. So I think we're in a very different predicament in 2021. And that uh, maturing component, I think that is the overarching theme, which will get us over the hurdle and approve. But which Bitcoin provider uh, or issuer or application is going to win? Well, that's the trillion dollar question. But I do think cost, I do think expense is going to be a big difference. And it's also the trading mechanism. We'll all be approaching the ETF uh, the same. Does that application potentially have the the resume to be trading that ETF? So there's a lot going into the formula here on who's going to be the winner. But I think it's it's an open market and we get excited that we thought this conversation, Steve and I have been talking for years, we thought this was a 2022, potentially 2023 conversation. With the maturity and the price of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency being adopted globally, now we're seeing our brothers uh, up north in Canada have these Bitcoin ETFs. So I think the time is now, I don't know if it's Q2 or Q3, but we get really excited just about the enthusiasm, but the maturity, I can't stress enough, the maturity of the Bitcoin product from a futures product as well as a global adoption, that's the difference maker. And that's what's going to be the catalyst, I believe, to get the approval. Okay, but wasn't one of the other big reasons the SEC uh, was rejecting ETS was also worrying, worrying about manipulation in the market. Uh, where do you think we're up with that? I'll let Stephen take that one because he's pretty deep in the weeds on understanding that. Yeah, you know, as, as we all know, you know, when, when anytime that there is a lower market cap uh, asset or an asset that's just very small, it's very easy to manipulate it. Uh, for instance... Uh, look at small cap publicly traded companies that are trading on the pink sheets, right? They're very easy to to manipulate. And for that reason, the SEC only allows a certain percentage of those small cap companies into an an ETF. You know, it's plain and simple. They're they're, they're easy to, you know, if there's a a big order that comes in, uh, it can really move the market in one of those small equities. Now, larger equities like, like Microsoft or Apple, they're a lot harder to move and it takes a lot more money to, 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 to move the price in that. Now, everything is manipulable, right? And, and people will certainly try to manipulate anything, even large cap equities, the entire market, LIBOR rates. I mean, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that can be manipulated, but the larger that Bitcoin gets, the harder it is for somebody to come in and drop a billion dollars to move the market, Right. You know, it just it takes it takes more and more money to move Bitcoin by even a percentage point. Uh, it's still possible, but but it's now at that size where it it, it is very difficult to, uh, to 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 move it. And that's why we haven't seen you know this weekend we saw some big price swings in, in Bitcoin, of course, and and other crypto assets. But um, but that's probably one of the biggest price swings we've seen in a really long time. And 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 on a comparative basis, it wasn't even that big, right? I mean. Yeah, we went from like 60 Dude, to I love the park 55. Swings. Oh, I love the swings, man. I mean, I was... Dude, I'm a psychopath. <laughs> I, like, I, I see a drum tech brand and I laugh. I like fucking laugh now. I don't know about you. I laugh. I just, I don't sit there and go, oh God, my network. I just laugh. Yeah, no, they, exactly. you have to, right? You've been, you've been around this industry long enough. It's just, it's funny, right? And in, in, in a lot of ways. But I happen to be up. I, I was like, you know, you know, I'm an old man now. You know, I wake up and go to the bathroom, you know, three times a night, right? So... I'm, I'm looking at my phone and, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, oh, what just happened? I'm buying. So I go, to, I, you know, middle of the night, I'm going to my computer buying more Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's great. I can't, I can't help myself. Buy the dip, man. Buy the dip. <laughs>
Next up, I talk to Steve and Jeff more about Bitcoin ETS. But before that, I have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, let's kick off with Ledger. And if you haven't checked it out, I just did a show with Matt and Pascal from Ledger answering all your questions. It's the last show. Please do go and check it out. Now, I have been a customer of Ledger since 2017, way back January 2017, I think it was, when I first got back into Bitcoin. And people are saying, you need a hardware wallet, dude. So I went and got a Nano S, and I'm still using that same device today. Now, I am a fan of Ledger for a couple of reasons. Not only because of the device, it's super easy to use, and it survived the test of time, but I also really love Ledger Live. It's a very easy way for someone like me to be able to safely manage and move around my Bitcoin. Also, if you have an Android phone, you can connect that to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up is Gemini, my new exchange sponsor, who I'm using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin. But as I told you, I'm not selling. I'm not selling this shit. We're in a bull market. Hey, hopefully I'll never sell this stuff. Now I've signed up, I'm registered, I'm using the app mainly, I've been buying the dips, but I've also set myself up a DCA, a twice a month purchase of Bitcoin. I wish I'd done that 10 years ago, but I didn't. There probably wasn't any DCAs on the market then. Now, the Gemini product, i got to say, it's so easy to use. I'm yet to see UX this good in Bitcoin. It's so easy to set up, to register, and start buying Bitcoin. I'm also very, very happy to be working with the Gemini team. I've got loads of cool ideas for them and for Bitcoin. And Thailand and Cameron are an open book for ideas, which is super cool. Now, if you do want to check this out, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Next up, we have BlockFi. They had their massive announcement before Christmas. It is so close. It is coming very soon. The Bitcoin Rewards Visa credit card with 1.5% rewards in Bitcoin on all card purchases. Yes, you can stack sats on all your card purchases. And BlockFi have opened this up to the public waitlist. Now, whether you're a customer or not, you can join. If you want to find out more, please do head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. All right, so listen, I think I think one's coming from the from the people I've spoken to who are involved in this, and there's a few. Uh, most still feel like it's not this year. Most feel like it is like something for 2022. Uh, I know uh, Jeff, you mentioned maybe 2023, but most of the indications I get like it's probably probably not this year, probably 2022. But either way, there's nine in the market. There, there's a massive advantage to being the first. How the hell does the SEC even pick one in a fair way? You know, is, is it is it case that they really, if they if they approve one, they have to approve them all at the same time and floodgates open, or do you think they will just allow one? I think the first criteria is they're looking to see how handsome their chief investment officer is, and the beard that Stephen has certainly is, is an uptick. But uh, Stephen, what do you think? What's the leading criteria that the staff is looking at? You know, and, and, and I've been through this several times. I mean, I I, I remember filing an ETF. The back in my Guggenheim days, and Pimco had a similar one, and BlackRock had a similar one, and it was like, okay, who's you know who's the SEC going to choose, right? And and, t- and and different things happen at different times. Sometimes they'll kind of release the crack and all at once. Sometimes it's based on who filed first, okay. and then sometimes it's based on structure. You know, who had the best structure, who had the best arguments. You know, so 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 all of these things are a factor. Um, I, I personally believe where the highest odds are is to look, you know, in this, in this current round of applications, you had Van Eck, then you had Eck, yeah. Winklevoss. And, yeah. And then you had, um, uh, wisdom tree. And I truly believe that the SEC will probably, and I'm not trying to predict or trying to put, you know, anything out there, but. I, I, I think that us Van Eck and, and, and wisdom tree are probably the first batch. Just, just, just based on timing. Yeah, I um, I've been speaking to the guys over at Vanek. I've spoke to Gabble quite a bit. I mean, it feels like, uh, uh, I mean, this is something with Vanek in, in that they've they've run so many different types of ETFs anyway. Or are you all like this? Because I know they've got like a long track record in ETFs. Yeah, would it be like the SEC trust them guys? I think that's a nice, smooth, safe one to start with. And also, would it be a case because Bitcoin is still highly controversial? It's still one of those things that people look at as kind of a bit weird and a bit odd, that they might just want to approve one and see how it goes? Um, I don't think they'll approve one to see how it goes. I, no. I, I, I think they, well, if they do, I think they, I think they might approve, you know, the first one. 
and then a week later approved the second one that was on file, right. then a week later approved the third one that was on file. That's, that's also a high probability scenario. What do you think, how, how big of a game changer is this really? Like, uh, I know this makes it easier for people to invest in uh, Bitcoin who maybe can't go and buy the underlying asset, or they're just, they're a bit, you know, a bit unsure about buying the underlying asset, they're a bit unsure about technically buying Bitcoin custody in it. I know it makes it a lot safer for them. There is that scenario, but there are other scenarios I wouldn't be aware of, like the fact that the ETF exists suddenly means that it suddenly appears on all these different trading platforms and trading websites that you suddenly there's so much more access because of that. Well, there's 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 access and then there's comfort level, right? I okay. mean, look, Peter and I, you, you, you and I have been around for a long time, you know. Well, hold I'm, on, hold I'm, on I'm, a second. I'm speaking. Hold on a second, man. How old are you? You just brought you overboard, Pete. <laughs> Jesus, man. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 46. Dude, How old are you? 42. You've been around a lot, a lot longer. No, no, but you've been you've been around longer than me. You 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 you've been in Bitcoin longer than me, right? And and, that, and that's actually I don't know, is that true? I think so. I, you when when I when I came in, you were already you were already uh, doing podcasts. Well, maybe maybe. All right, in the big, I forgive you if we're just talking about Bitcoin. I think you meant live. Jesus well, you know, <laughs> already already feeling old and going gray. Exactly. Watch this guy, Joe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Let me jump in real quick, people, because yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You and Stephen yeah. talking about the retail, the apprehension, the ability, the access. But the one piece of the puzzle, which I go back to this intersection of traditional finance and cryptocurrency, the real component that no one's really talking about is that there's all these endowments, there's all these pensions, there's all these different companies that have policies and procedures. Inside of their policies and procedures, all that uh, all that ability that allows them to invest, there's no ability for them to invest into Bitcoin currently. If there's an right. ETF, they need ETFs all of a sudden they can invest in ETFs. Now you're lighting up a whole new global vertical that can access Bitcoin, which they couldn't before. So think about you know, if you're at your favorite amusement park, do you guys even have amusement parks over in England? We have a ton of them over yeah. here. Uh, yeah, we have uh, we have Alton Town. We don't have like uh, was it Six Flags? Eight Flags? Six, uh, okay, <laughs> but but you got that. I thought you said soccer stadium. We don't have we okay. don't have that. But anyways, think of uh, ten thousand people sitting outside the amusement park trying to get in. That's the institutional yeah. investment community. That's all the endowments. That's all these institutional investors who can buy an ETF, but they can't for whatever reason because their policies and procedures can't buy Bitcoin. So that's where I think it. That's the next leg higher. That's a hundred k Bitcoin in my mind, and that is subsequent. Wow. To a Bitcoin being approved in the U.S. Bitcoin ETF, right? Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, Jeff, what's what's um? How long have you been in the Bitcoin game now? Like when? What's your so? Kind of thesis? I've been Bitcoin uh, probably about five years. Uh, Stephen pulled me in a little bit deeper about two years ago, but I was over in Europe uh, with John Nigerian back in 2017. We did a little tour. Uh, talking crypto, specifically Bitcoin. So uh, I'm not a newbie, but I'm by no means uh, anywhere near the experience that you guys are. So uh, I get excited because I have a background. I started my career. I started trading the pits in the Chicago Board of Trade, which got bought by the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. So I traded treasury futures, interest rates, right? The deepest and most liquid futures contract out there. So I've taken my experience from the floor a floor operation, turned it into an SEC-registered investment firm, and now all of a sudden we're trying to bridge that. So, yes, I'm wearing a sport coat. I took off my tie, Pete, because I know Stephen would give me crap if I was wearing a tie on here. I'm usually wearing a tie on CNBC. But uh, I am kind of, uh, you know, I get excited about this narrative of cryptocurrency and traditional finance and kind of blending in between. So it's truly Main Street, Wall Street, where I've been probably considered more Wall Street for the last couple decades. But here I am trying to understand. And I've been an early adopter in this traditional finance that you do need exposure to some extent to cryptocurrencies. And once people get educated on blockchain. Crypto or Bitcoin? Both. No, dude. It's Bitcoin only. Bitcoin only. What a, it's <laughs> Doge Day. Steve, you're, not, you're not talking you're not What talking about Dogecoin? I mean, it's Doge Day itself. Fucking Dogecoin. Are we gonna get? Are we gonna get a Dogecoin ETF? <laughs> not not over my dead body. Wouldn't that be funny if we got a Doge ETF first? <laughs> right. uh, so, well, sorry, Jeff. I've got to ask you something. You you worked in the pits, like you worked in the pits, like in those films where you see everyone yelling at each other and like sweating, swearing, elbowing. Yeah, I was in there for over a decade. Is it just like that? Yes, but probably a little bit more 
a little nastier. So a very competitive environment. See, I, I use my use my football frame to really establish position in there. And it's competitive. It's high energy. And um, it, it was a great spot to learn risk management. And when I was able to take what I learned over a decade of having a floor operation in the pits, translate that into more of a, a family office off the floor trading. But it's great now because we were one of the earlier adopters. Once everything started to go electronic, and, and this is probably confusing to some folks, but you couldn't trade 10-year notes. You couldn't trade 30-year bonds. You couldn't trade a lot of stuff electronically. There was only the pits. So everyone in the world, doesn't matter what language you spoke, you spoke numbers, right? And those numbers would come into the pit. And I was one of the market makers that provide that liquidity. So taking that and transitioning into the electric world, the electronic trading world, it doesn't matter if you're trading crude oil. It doesn't matter if you're trading Bitcoin futures. It doesn't matter what you're trading. That was the bridge. And I think that's where people are really growing upon. So you're seeing a lot of people who used to trade S&P 500 futures, used to trade equity stocks. Now yeah. they're walking away from trading those products because the volatility that you talked about earlier, people get so excited and they flock. It's like a moth to a light, specifically in Chicago. Traders love volatility. So that's where Bitcoin, I'm not going to say another, I'm not going to say cryptocurrency. Again, I know you're going to mute my microphone, but that's where Bitcoin gets so exciting. (laughs) Jesus, you too. Jeff, no, sorry. I've got to ask a bit more about the pit because all the way back to trading places, first time I saw it, I like... And, and, and every time I've seen it since, I mean, they still had it in um, uh, the Big Short, right? You still had the the pit in the Big Short, right? Like, I don't understand. Like, do you, do they still have the pit today? They do. They do. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange called the CME Group in Chicago. The pit is still there. COVID has kind of changed that dynamic. Well, what what the hell's so, going on? I don't. I see it. Are people literally just trading with each other? That's it. Is, is that all it is? So, is it just like trading online, but two people? No, get? no, it's not. So like the euro dollar options, which is the largest pit in liquidity, there, there's more volume in the euro dollar options pit than there is in, in any other product in the world, even more so than the U.S. Treasury market. So that pit, you'll have 500 guys in there still. You'll have 500 guys in there, a lot of them are headsets, but the big institutions, the big traders, instead of going to the screen where a lot of we call electronic trading, we call it the screen. So instead of going to the screen where there could be some manipulation, there would be some spoofing, right? Instead of having that ability, they want to call into the pit and get a bid and an ask, get a quote to potentially move a billion dollars of notional. And they can do it like that because there's 500 people competing. And that really, that competition really tightens up. There, there, there's no... It's not loose. Sometimes on the screen, it can be moving around a little bit and manipulated. So... I think the big banks, the big institutions, the big traders, the big hedge funds, they still want the pit in certain products to exist because it gives them a more fair level playing field. That makes sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Steve, have you worked in the pit? Never. Never. I was a, I was a boring bond trader sitting at a desk in Santa Monica. It's so boring. Well, you're in Santa Monica. You're pretty out surfing. Um, yeah, exactly. Jeff, can, can I ever go and see a pit? If I come to Chicago, can you get me in the pit? Yeah, man. Get in here. I got you. I'm going to get in the pit. We'll give you a nice little tour. And I'll, uh, I get one of I'll the jackets. pump in some orders. I'll get you a jacket, my man. You bet. Fucking hell, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> I've, you know, I've been let's to Chicago, Chicago so many times. I love that shit. I, I, I want to go. I want to go and see it. All right. So listen, look. These are... These... Here, we'll even one-up that, Peter. Right. Peter, r- real quick. We'll one-up that, right. okay? When, when we launch an ETF... And we ring the bell. We're inviting you to the bell ringing ceremony. And you'll be wow. wearing a me and smart me. looking jacket. Do I have to wear a smart looking jacket? No, no, no. We'll get you a badge. We'll get you a trading jacket, an old school trading jacket. You tell me your color. Right, and we'll get that sucker made. I'd have to borrow. What, borrow a what's, suit, what's your badge going to be? What's your badge going to be? Mine was Kill K I L. That was my badge. So every time there was a trade, someone write K I L. What would your badge be? You got to think about that shit. Yeah. I'll go for BTFC. All right. Yeah, you can figure that we'll one get out. We'll get a man. I think Steve knows what that is. All right, I want to see that. I know what BTFC is. Yeah, you know, man. So where, where, when your ETF, so when an ETF gets launched, right? So I know with like um, when um, a company IPOs, they get listed on a certain stock exchange, right? You know, it might be NASDAQ or whatever. With an ETF, is it just, is, is it similar or is it just everywhere? So, so, so you launch on a different exchange, you know, and the three major exchanges right now are, are NASDAQ, uh, New York Stock Exchange, and then uh, CBOE even uh, in the United States is probably the, probably the third. And, and you, you choose an exchange that you list on, but 
uh, they all trade with each other. So what will end up happening if you go into your, you know, your Charles Schwab account or your TD Ameritrade account or whatever, whatever online brokerage you have, uh, they'll see everything listed. Um, it, it doesn't to, to, to the normal person, it, it no, nothing looks different. Uh, but 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 to us, you know, which exchange you, you list on does it, it does matter. You know, different ones have different features uh, that are important. But uh, but but if, as long as you're listed on one of those top three, uh, you're, you're pretty good. Right. OK. All right, so the, there's not only uh, Bitcoin ETFs coming right there. You've got another ETF you were telling me about, Steve, uh, based on companies invested in Bitcoin. Can we talk about that? Yeah, so so there is a filing for the Valkyrie Innovative Balance Sheet Fund, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hand that over to Jeff to talk more about. Sure, sure. So I, we can't talk about the ETF. We can confirm uh, there certainly was a filing for the Valkyrie Innovative Balance Sheet ETF where KKM, we are the investment advisor. But what I can talk about, Pete, is the model. The model portfolio that we uh, developed at KKM, this Valkyrie Innovative Balance Sheet model portfolio, that holds a basket of stocks. So we get excited about that basket of stocks. And think of the correlation of these companies that have Bitcoin on their balance sheet, either directly or indirectly. But think of the PayPal's, think of the micro strategies, think of Square. But also think mm-hmm. about some of the new companies that you're hearing come in. You know, it's Domino's Pizza. Uh, you know, you heard Slim Jim during their earnings last week talk about uh, owning ETH. So it's all these companies that are now coming to embrace the fact that they want to have Bitcoin on their balance sheet. PayPal obviously set off the whole parade of companies getting into the game last October when they talked about allowing their 350 million users to transact in Bitcoin. So our model, and I can talk all day about the model, but the model does a great job identifying that. And historically, the model portfolio has had about a 0.6 to 0.7 correlation to the price of Bitcoin. What the hell does that mean, Killer? Well, it means that about... The 70% of the move is captured on the price of Bitcoin with these names because of it. So if you think of Tesla, mm-hmm. obviously it was a big deal when Tesla came out and um, talked about their billion and a half, which is probably about $2 billion now, right? Steve, maybe $2.5 mm-hmm. billion worth of Bitcoin. So when you have a model or a theme that can really hone in on companies that have direct or indirect balance sheet exposure, that gets exciting because that's, again, Pete, that's a bridge for a lot of companies out there, a lot of endowments, or even some retail investors who have apprehension or don't have the ability to invest in Bitcoin, this is a bridge. They can invest in single companies, exchange-traded companies that have that exposure. So we get excited about this theme of our model portfolio, which is the Valkyrie Innovative Balance Sheet model. So this, this model sounds interesting, I think, for two reasons. Firstly, while we wait for the SEC to actually prove a Bitcoin ETF, this is what we would call kind of a Bitcoin ETF. <laughs> I would say, because like I know some people were who wanted exposure to Bitcoin were buying MicroStrategy shares. And quite often, uh, MicroStrategy was referred to as essentially an ETF. Their shares were essentially an ETF. So, But there's a second, there's a second thing that's quite interesting about this model. Uh, if, if you're someone like me who perhaps wanted to diversify, just say I wanted to diversify a bit, I want to get a little bit outside of Bitcoin, I might want to invest in companies like Square, like Tesla, because I think they share my worldview. They uh, they share my outlook. Um, so that's kind of, that's, I think there's kind of two things going on there. Have, have, have I captured that right? Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And that's the biggest piece of diversification. So this model portfolio primarily we're honing in and identifying, and we use, utilize Valkyrie as our research partner to really help us better understand. But there is a piece of this model portfolio that has a speculative component. So these are companies that we believe are going to incorporate Bitcoin either directly or indirectly in their balance sheet. So this is a little bit of a speculative a prediction, if you will, because we just see this universe growing. We thought conservatively at the end of last year, oh, we'll see 50 or 60 different companies in 2021 really embrace Bitcoin either directly or indirectly on their balance sheet. That number now is going to be closer to 100 and it may vault 100 by the end of the year as we're seeing the price of Bitcoin continue to move higher. So, yeah, you're absolutely right that this is a diversification. It's a parallel line. Even if there yeah. is a, a Bitcoin ETF out there, this is another way to have some diversified exposure to the space and to the companies that are kind of the first movers into Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Or maybe they're paying their employees in Bitcoin. That's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. I guess also it's yeah. like it's a, it's a lower risk uh, investment than the 
directly investing in, say, a Bitcoin ETF as well, because these companies will be generating revenue, the cash generating businesses as well. So it's a slightly different risk profile from uh, just a, a, a strict Bitcoin ETF. Yeah, yeah. Good example of that is uh, there was the there was the announcement that Barclays will not allow any of their any of their advisors to put any of their clients into Bitcoin or even MicroStrategy because it holds so much Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, well, HSBC, there's other there's other large. So I saw it the other day. Yeah. HSBC, uh, a guy showed me literally a tweet. He uh, tweeted out to HSBC and they said they won't allow him to buy Coinbase shares. Like, what the yeah, fuck? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's 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 such a there's such a massive restriction uh, from so many of these banks uh, that that won't allow their advisors to 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 buy Bitcoin. What we see this as though is potentially a softball mm. where uh, where 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 some of these people that are a little bit more on the fence might 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 want their clients in that as opposed to something that's pure Bitcoin. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, how do you choose the companies and how do you choose to weight the balance of the basket? No, Pete, you just want the secret sauce of our model. Yeah, oh, my man. Yeah, of course um, I did. Because I was going to launch well, my own, dude. I'll give you this. I can't give you too much, right? This is the secret yeah. sauce, but... Yeah, because you'll tell Gabor. <laughs> yeah, I tell Gabor. Aren't they... Aren't they did, did I see they announced one or something similar? Yeah, so they, they have an ETF that is uh, focused on um, companies that are in the crypto space, right? Or blockchain space. We only want Bitcoin. Yeah, good. we only want Bitcoin on the balance sheets. Yeah, because yeah. you're proper chads. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I really love it. Yeah. Well, fuck theirs, then. I'm I'm all about yours. Okay, so you're not going to give me the secret sauce. <laughs> Any idea? I give you a hint. I will give you a hint. So all right, all right. we will half the portfolio could potentially of this model portfolio. Half of the portfolio could be owned in five names with a maximum weighting of ten percent. Of those names, so five names potentially yeah. could be at ten percent. There's half, so that that's all I can give you. A secret sauce. Tesla, oh, you gotta come to Chicago for the rest. Yeah, Tesla, MicroStrategy, <laughs> Square, PayPal. I'm just guessing myself. You're not going. I'm not even looking at you. PayPal. Well, we do run this in separate managed accounts. So if you want to open up a separate managed account, my man. Coinbase, Coinbase. I reckon that's the five. We'll see. We'll see. You can let me know if I if I get that right. You bet. Can neither confirm nor deny that those are the five. <laughs> if if that's all five. And you know that, uh, that if, I, if I wink once, you're yes. If I wink twice, it's a no. How about that? Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take I'll take it. All right. So, w- when do you think this one's going to launch? Great question. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from uh, the SEC. So, that's probably all I can really say on that. So, right. we get excited about the model, but um, we'll just go on that. All right, fair enough. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. So back to the, the traditional big Bitcoin ETF, which everyone cares about, everyone wants. Um, I'm aware of two. I'm aware of the Canadian ETF and there's the Brazilian ETF. Are there any more or is that it? Is that the two that are in the market? Yeah, those. I, I, to, to my knowledge, those are the only ones uh, that are out there that are that are a pure Bitcoin ETF. Um, there, there's, a few, there's a few that are variations of it in Europe. ETNs. But uh, nothing, nothing, yeah, ETNs, but but nothing like what we have in Brazil and Canada at the moment. Okay, in terms of like trading of the Canadian and the Brazilian ETFs, have they given you any indication of the pent-up demand that there is for these? It, it, it has. Uh, so 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 back in back in my traditional finance days, uh, we, we operated a business, a, a large ETF business in the United States. Uh, in a small business in Canada, and anytime that you would launch an ETF that was a very similar, you know, brand new type of ETF in the U.S. and Canada, uh, the U.S. is you know fifty to hundred times the size of of, of what you would get in Canada. Um, you know, it, it, it truly is a much larger market, a much a much deeper market. Um, so if 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 you're getting a billion dollars in the door right away in an ETF in Canada when it launches. You know, imagine what it would be in the United States. I, yeah, I think point. it's a fifty billion dollar market. You know, quite 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 easily. Fifty billion dollar. Well, just think yeah. about it, Pete. They have to get off their horses in Canada, go down to their computers, and click. So we don't get off horses here in the United <laughs> States. So it's a lot quicker and a lot more money. <laughs> don't don't you guys own Canada, by the way? Right. Don't, don't don't you guys over in the UK? You own them? No, we don't own them. We just we still just rule over them with our with our queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, okay. Well, listen. I, I didn't think you were still on horses in Chicago. 
<laughs> no, no, we are not. It's not Texas. It's not Texas, baby. No, we're, we're in Teslas. <laughs> we're in Tesla. You're in Teslas. I do. I do. You know, I do like Chicago. I need to get back there, man. Let's do it. All right, man. This all sounds amazing. It sounds like. It sounds like this is. This really is the floodgates. This could be the next big leg up. And I tell you what's quite quite interesting about it. Firstly, I don't want it to happen this year because I've got a bet with American Hoddle that Bitcoin's not going to hit three hundred thousand. We've bet we've got a half. I don't know if you know that, Steve. We've got a half Bitcoin bet. Oh, so he thinks Bitcoin's going to hit three hundred thousand dollars this year, and I think it isn't. We've bet half a Bitcoin on it, right? So I definitely don't want these ETS till next year. So if you can save them to around like January third, January fourth, <laughs> that would suit me. <laughs> but actually, one of the interesting aspects of this is like everybody's looking at Bitcoin like as an you know, it's very cyclical. If you look at the last you know, few halvings. The, the cycle's always been the same, about a year to a year and a half of bull market and about two to two and a half years of bear market. Uh, um, and we, we seem to be going through the same. A lot of people thinking, well, it might come to December and then we'll dump and we'll go to another bear market. But I also did an interview with Dan Held where he talked about, no, we're in the super cycle, you know, potentially. If an ETF, if ETFs start dropping next year, that will, that will change the bear market scenario, right? That will upend, the tr- that probably or could upend the traditional cycle of Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it, <clears throat> I think it could. I think what we're experiencing right now is a a massive deleveraging. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think you know Bitcoin kind of hit that stride where you know a year ago it was at four thousand. Deleveraging and, in Bitcoin and, or deleveraging in the market traditional markets. Uh, deleveraging in Bitcoin. So right, okay. uh, what 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 happened was you know you know Bitcoin shot up to twenty five thousand. And on that momentum trade, a lot of people levered up the Bitcoin that they already had to get even more Bitcoin to buy into it. Or they went down to their local bank in, uh, in, 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 in England and uh, got a loan to buy a car, but put it in Bitcoin instead. Well, so, so there's a I lot of different... I would not advise anyone does that, by the way. That sounds like a moron's idea. <laughs> it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. Who would do that? And... Um, but but there was a lot of leverage uh, put into Bitcoin in, in, in various different ways that, that really pushed it up to that $60,000 range. Mm. And what we saw over the last week has been this deleveraging, right? Um, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not, if Bitcoin's not, you know, going straight up anymore, and it's been hovering around that $60,000 range, you know, people are starting to delever. We saw a massive delevering on, on, on Saturday. There was some false news that came out. It caused the price to go down just enough to trigger a lot of uh, stop losses for people that were levered up, which caused it to, to go down even further. Yeah, yeah. And then, then it popped back up, but now you're still getting... And, and a lot of that deleveraging, by the way, was in, was in Asia, right? Um, uh, Asia over the weekend, and then delevering here in the United States uh, yesterday. Uh, but you it saw feels some like of the enthusiasm, Stephen, some of the enthusiasm of the coin-based direct listing. You definitely saw a price anticipation a price move higher in the price of Bitcoin. So I think once that kind of enthusiasm waned a bit, I think that also was, was a catalyst. Yeah. Right. Okay. So so it sounds to me like a deleveraging is is kind of a healthy event. Um, yes. And if if the market heavily heavily deleverages, but we maintain something above 50,000, that's a pretty good position to be in. That that's exactly right. Because because what's going to happen is once that deleveraging happens and Bitcoin retains its price and it starts moving a little bit again, then uh, naturally, and Everyone's then you're going to uh, again. see that leverage go right back down. That's exactly right. People are going to go down to the local bank, they're going to get a car loan, and they're going to put get it in Bitcoin. Well, in fairness, I did actually end up buying a car. So I, I know. <laughs> I actually ended up buying three cars, which is funny. But anyway. Oh, that's fantastic. I've triggered enough. What cars did you it. buy? Well, we're not renting a car when we come over to see you, Pete. It sounds like that's good. Well, you know what I bought myself? Uh, I bought my dad uh, a Jag, and nice. uh, I bought my I bought my son his first car. Uh, not the Audi R8 that I put online to trigger people as a joke, and they all lost their shit. Uh, I got my son his first car, but I've still leveraged up because I didn't actually sell the Bitcoin to get them. I just bought them based on the. But the, it's you, funny that that you can't load, tease us with two cars. What did you get yourself? That's what we want to hear. What was the third car? Uh, I uh, I got I got myself an Aston Martin and a baby. Nice. You do look like James Bond, nice. a little bit. Well, I do, don't I? I've, I considered applying, applying for the role. Um, I just think I'm a bit too old for it now. You're not as old as Steve. The, the, 
the funny thing was I was leveraged I was leveraged in a way whereby uh, I can't get triggered, right? Because I just took a bank loan. I've got cash flow to cover it. So what I did, Jeff, you don't know about this. So basically, when Bitcoin crashed to uh, seventeen and a half thousand on the run up, uh, I just I was laying in bed and I just went onto my my bank Lloyd's Bank and I was like, uh, "What's the most you'll lend me right now?" And it was like thirty five thousand pounds. I just took the lot and I, I got like two point five five Bitcoin. I was like, "Yeah, uh, I'll take that." Uh, and but, but obviously, I'm not leveraged on an exchange. I don't have a stop loss. My leverage is different. So I, I right. I can carry. I can carry this. Um, but it was very. It was a, like an interesting experiment in in understanding how to play with credit, because I've only ever played with credit in the past for, for, for buying things like houses and cars, and right? Shit like right. That. This was the first time I ever used credit to actually take advantage of a market situation, which was a real, uh, real like a bit of education for me. Somebody who's not a trader and somebody who's not played in the markets before, I was trying to understand a little bit, of kind of like what Michael Sader was doing, and now I understand if you can. If if you understand certain market structures, you can play credit totally into your favor. Absolutely. You know, so I get mocked. Some people on Twitter are like, "Oh, you're an idiot. You you're so broke. You had to borrow money to like buy Bitcoin." It's not that. It was actually I just used a, a situation to my advantage. But I didn't. It was all new to me. That's good. That's awesome. No, that's that's absolutely brilliant. By by the way, when you were doing that, I sold my Tesla and bought Bitcoin with that. You legend. That's how, that's how much conviction I had. You fucking legend. All right. Well, well. <laughs> When this uh, bull market ends, what what are you gonna get? What are you gonna replace? Because you're gonna have to replace that Tesla. I don't know, man. Uh, I've I've uh, I, I've got this '71 International Scout that 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 I've been working on and restoring. So that's that's my car at wow. the moment. But uh, it can break down at any time, <laughs> right? Um, so uh, I haven't decided what I'm going to replace it with. I, I don't know if it's going to be another Tesla. I, I, I always said that if, that if Elon Musk ever sells Teslas for Bitcoin, I would buy it. But nah, I don't want to part right. with my Bitcoin. Oh, no. So it's, it's a bit of a rough situation. So uh, I, 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 you know, it, it might be a Tesla. It might be something else. I, I haven't decided yet. I, I tweeted, I mean, of course, he's not going to reply and give a shit what I say, but in the 2017 bull run, I tweeted Elon Musk saying, uh, I will buy a Tesla off you if I can buy it from with Bitcoin using uh, the plain Wi-Fi at 35,000 feet. That's the transaction I want to do. I want to do it in the air at 35,000 feet, crossing the Atlantic. But he never replied, so I didn't do it. <laughs> and now you have an Aston Martin. I'm like, I'm like Elon. Aston Martin win now. Yeah. Yeah, I have um, no access to Elon Musk either. It's uh, yeah. it's great, but I'm a big fan. Yeah, big fan. Hopefully you'll come on the podcast one day. Hopefully. All right, cool. Well, look, this has been super useful. Is there anything I've not asked you? Anything else? Any other messages you want to tell? Anything about these ETF things that you think people need to understand? Well, if, if I could leave last last parting words, and, uh, and, th- and I think this is really important, right? Because a, a lot of people... Uh, that have that have been around for a while, and I mean, in the Bitcoin community, uh, don't necessarily like an ETF because uh, you know not your keys, not your Bitcoin. But my my, my parting words is this: is there's a whole there's a whole spectrum of comfort that people have in technology, right? And there are people that are way smarter than me that know how to set up their own wallets, buy their own Bitcoin, hold them in the wallets, hold them forever. And they own the keys, they own the wallet. That's great. I've I've tried that. I I've, I've realized that I suck at that. Um, you know, if, if 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 I'm just holding just 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 Bitcoin and I want to hold it somewhere somewhere I trust, it's going to be somewhere like Casa, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Jameson's a trusted person. Yeah. Um, you know, they they help you manage your keys. It's a it's a it's 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 a great place. So that's kind of like the next level of comfort for people that aren't very technical, and then for people that that, that don't even understand that. This is a great instrument to, you know, to, to, to hold your Bitcoin in, right? It's, uh, you know, uh, only, only, only 1% of the people are actually going to hold it in, in, in self-custodied wallets. Maybe 10% will hold it with somebody else like a, like a CASA. And then the other 80% and, or more, they're, they're not going to do anything until there's, a, there's an ETF, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really the best, best instrument for a lot of people that aren't comfortable with technology. Yeah, great. Jeff, any, any parting words you've got? Yeah, just to put a couple of sprinkles on that ETF cupcake, it provides access, it has liquidity, and it has a layer of security, which it is regulated by the SEC. So that exchange-traded fund, which an ETF stands for, exchange-traded fund, that security layer in there, I think it does make a difference. Even if you're not 
recognizing right now, I think embracing that, it's, it's a positive, it's an uptick. So uh, I get excited about ETFs and you've seen them around for 20 years, but this global adoption of ETFs, not just for a Bitcoin ETF, but for all different types of ETFs, I just think you're going to continue to see assets be attracted into that ETF vehicle. Awesome. And if people want to find out more about Valkyrie, where do they go? Uh, ValkyrieInvest.com. Our website just went up. Right. I will stick that in the show notes. Jeff, great to meet you, man. When I'm in Chicago, I'm going to, I'm going to come and uh, find you and I'm going to come to the pit. And I see look forward to it. On. Awesome being on. Thank you. No worries, dude. And Steve, I'm going to try and bug you to come to Mexico. I think you should come. I'm going to try and bug you. I, okay, you know what? And, and I'll probably see you in Miami before that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll, I'll see you in Miami. And you I'll can, try you and can twist my arm there. Twist your arm. We'll grab a beer in Miami. All right, guys. Are you coming to Miami, Jeff? I will be in Miami. They're only letting me in for 24 hours, so I will be there. So I hope we cross paths and uh, it, have a libation. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's try and get. Let's try and get a beer in. All right, guys. Well, listen. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for answering all my questions. Good luck with this. Love what you're doing. Right. And uh, peace out. Thanks so much. Okay, what did you make of that? Did you enjoy that? I think Steve and Jeff killed this one. They cleared up loads of stuff for me. And one thing I found really interesting is that Bitcoin ETS will hold underlying Bitcoin. And if you're well enough, you could actually redeem them. I never knew about that. It's pretty interesting stuff. It's probably inevitable that we will get an ETF in the next year or two. I'm just hoping it's next year for my bet with American HODL. That way I might actually be able to fly over and be there when they ring the bell for the first ETF which would be very exciting. Also, how cool will that when Steve takes me to the pit? I've always seen those in films or on TV and just think it's wild. To actually go and see one would be crazy. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. If you want to get in touch, you've got any feedback, you know you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. You know I reply to everyone. I do sometimes take my time. Some days I get a lot of emails. Just don't send me any weird shit. Um, outside of that, if you want to support the show, please do head over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave me a review. I hope you think the show deserves five stars. If you are a regular listener and you haven't left a review, please go and do it. It'll only take you a minute, and I will love you forever. Okay, outside of that, go and head over to neveredit.com. I register for my daily email, your daily dose of macro, Bitcoin, and tech. Don't know what else to tell you. I love you all. Have a great week, and I'm going to see you all on Friday. <laughs>